Do you really believe in the resurrection? Is that even a credible position to hold? Jesus being raised from the dead is either a fairy tale or a miracle that changed the world. Maybe you, perhaps you're just here this morning to keep a family member happy or just wanting this to be over. Maybe you're here checking out Jesus for the first time to see if he really did rise from the dead. Or you're here to celebrate all that God has done for you in the risen Lord Jesus. Whatever your reason for coming this morning, I want to ask you to just think, what if it is true and how does that change my life? Is that my microphone? How does that change my life? Maybe you don't. There we go. That's going to be annoying. One, two, three, four. Okay, we're all good. Sorry about that. So as we think about what is our reason for being here and will that change our life? Does the resurrection change our life? Maybe you don't even want to perhaps even think about the resurrection because you're too afraid that, well, if it's true, my life would change and maybe that change is scary. Now, this morning, as we look at the resurrection of Jesus, I want us to see the historical reasons for the resurrection and how that does change everything because the resurrection of Jesus is a game changer. It changes lives. It changed mine for the better. And my prayer for you this morning is that it will change yours in a positive way as well. So let's have another look at this morning's passage. You can see it on the screens or in your Bibles. It tells us this. Now, after the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothing white as snow. And for fear of the guards, for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. But the angel said to the woman, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he has risen, as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Now, it might be a controversial question, but why on earth would Jesus have women as the first witnesses to the resurrection? See, at the time of Jesus in the Greco-Roman world, women did not have equal status as they do now. Now, there is something profound in this. Why, if the resurrection, perhaps if it was just made up, would the first witnesses be women? Culturally, it makes no sense that a man's word carries more weight back in those days. The only explanation to why women are the first witnesses is because, in fact, they were the first witnesses. Jesus knows women are of equal worth to men, and for some reason we see here that women are the first witnesses to the resurrection, flipping the culture. Maybe because, well, in fact, that women were the first witnesses. And that is why it is written, because it is true, because it happened. If you're going to make it up, you would have had men as the first witnesses. That if you think about it, that Jesus really flips the script here. That Jesus knows that women are of equal worth and highlights this. 
and that they are the first witnesses to the resurrection. And we see that this heavy stone is moved by an angel because while there was no chance that two women were going to be rolling back this stone, probably not even two men because it was so heavy, it would have been a quite a significantly sized stone to roll back. So it makes sense that it was moved by an angel. And while the guards, well, when they saw the angel, they were, at least would have passed out in shock because resurrections, well, they just don't happen every day. The angel said to the woman, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who is crucified. He is not here, for he has risen, as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. This invitation from the angel to the women to, well, look look at the evidence that Jesus has, in fact, risen from the grave. Just imagine being there. Imagine what it was like for them. They would have probably been in fear, They would have perhaps been doubting at the time because they hadn't seen the resurrected Jesus at this point in the story. That they would have probably had their minds flooded with about a hundred questions of what's happening? Is this real? Am I dreaming? What is going on? And then on their way to the disciples, they encounter Jesus. And in verse 9, it tells us this. And behold, Jesus met them and said, Greetings. And they came up and took hold of his feet and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. That the first people to encounter the resurrected Jesus weren't even the close 12 disciples. And in that moment when they met him, they did the right thing and worshipped him. That they worshipped the Son of God. They worshipped God in the flesh that the right and proper response to encountering the the resurrected Lord Jesus is to worship him. Now, I think that's pretty scary for many people because that means they would need to change who or what they worship. And that happened for me, and that's happened for many of you as well. But this morning, if the resurrection is true, and obviously I know it is, but if it is true, the right response for us is to worship Jesus. And as we see from the, power, from the power of God working in this passage, that the women worship and then follow Jesus' commands and then tell the disciples to meet him in Galilee. And that is what they do. But after all of this had happened, we see the guards, well, they try and cover up what had taken place. They wanted to control the narrative before the truth Got out. And then we see this in verse 11 where it tells us While they were going, behold, some of the guard went into the city and told the chief priests all that had taken place. And when they had assembled with the elders and taken counsel, they gave a sufficient sum of money to the soldiers and said, Tell people his disciples came by at night and stole him away while we were asleep. And if this comes to the governor's ears, we will satisfy him and keep you out of trouble because the soldiers faced extreme trouble if they couldn't explain where Jesus was. So they took the money and did as they were directed. And this story has been spread among the Jews to this day as we see Matthew writes his gospel to those in the first century. 
that the Roman officials and the chief priests, well, they did a cover-up. But as you read on the, in the Bible, you see, well, that cover-up didn't go as well as they thought it would have. And more and more people put their faith in the resurrected Lord Jesus. That before Jesus had ascended into heaven, people were already thinking of ways to help people think that the resurrection didn't happen. They were thinking of ways to deny what clearly had happened. That if the resurrection came before court today in our modern Western democratic society, the amount of eyewitnesses that saw Jesus after he rose from the dead, the case would take significantly a long period of time, not because of any doubt, but because the amount of witnesses that encountered Jesus after his resurrection. That the resurrection is a historical fact. It happened. That when you take into account the first witnesses were women, which is culturally not the smartest way to do it if you're going to make something up. When you take into consideration the transformation of the disciples after the resurrection, when you take into consideration all the historical evidence and also all the circumstantial evidence, this with the miracles that God performed through his people. When you look in the book of Acts that we're looking through at the moment at City Heart and we'll be looking at next week as well, when you take into the account all the miracles that Jesus performed, that Jesus, we know, he even foretold his resurrection. He says in the book of Matthew in chapter 17, verses 22 to 23, it tells us, as they were gathering in Galilee, this is before Jesus' death, Jesus said to them, the Son of Man is about to be delivered into the hands of men and they will kill him and he will be raised on the third day. And they were greatly distressed. And well, what Jesus says, well, it happens, doesn't it? That the resurrection of Jesus is a game changer. It proves that Jesus has conquered death. It proves that Jesus is actually who he says he is as the Son of God. That the resurrection of Jesus, again, loudly proclaims that he is the Son of God. Regular people just don't resurrect themselves. I don't know if you have noticed. Yes, we see examples in the New Testament of other resurrections, such as Jesus' friend Lazarus, but the power that resurrected Lazarus was the power at work from Jesus. That in his resurrection, it brings validity and meaning to his death on the cross as a payment for our sins. That it is almost like banking a check. Remember when you used to bank checks? I don't know if people still do that. But then you have to wait for it to clear. It's sort of like that. Not entirely, but it's probably a good way to understand it. That Jesus pays the price when he died on the cross on Good Friday. But to prove that in fact he could pay the price, to prove that he is the Son of God, he was resurrected proving who he is and the authority he has to die for our sin, to pay the price for our sin. That in the resurrection, Jesus is offered Jesus offers salvation, that salvation is offered to all. That if Jesus remained dead, then so what? But because Jesus was resurrected by the power of God, he proves that he can offer salvation. That salvation isn't offered by a dead 
but really a living Son of God. That the resurrection of Jesus, in Jesus, he gives us his goodness. Or put it another way, his righteousness is imputed onto us. That we are made good because of Jesus, not because of who we are. If you think about it for a second, imagine perhaps a whiteboard with a list of all the wrong things that you have done against people and against God. I know mine would be a pretty big whiteboard. But imagine that this list of all your wrong, all of your sin, all of your shame, and Jesus takes each and every one of those things off the whiteboard onto himself and then dies in your place. So you now have a blank whiteboard. But in that, he gives you another list, a list of all his goodness that gets credited to you because of what he did in his death and in his resurrection, that you are now justified all because Jesus and how he proves his power to do so in his resurrection. That in the resurrection of Jesus, we can have eternal life through him. Him who is eternal, Jesus. That there is no point putting your faith in a dead God. But because Jesus is alive, because the resurrection happened, we can be confident of eternal life with him. That the resurrection is freeing for anyone who puts their faith in him. That with all the worries and all the concerns you may have in this life, the resurrection gives you context. It gives you hope of an eternity without all of the pains and all of the worries of this life. It helps you put things in perspective. Today, whatever you are perhaps going through, you have eternal hope if your hope is in Jesus. But it's a big thought, isn't it? Eternal hope. Eternal hope. For most Aussies, they have temporal hope. Hope in things that are going to happen in this life alone. Things that will happen in this life that may or may not even deliver what they were hoping for. But with the resurrected Lord Jesus, when you put your faith in him for the forgiveness of sins, your hope is forever. That temporal hope is hoping for something that may or may not happen in this life. Eternal hope in Jesus is guaranteed for those who put their faith in him. That as Aussies look to put their faith in something, because we all put our faith in something, don't we? Will those things ultimately deliver for us? Will they finally be the answer to what we've been longing for? And the answer to that is no. Because we want something more, something eternal. It's in us that we desire the eternal. Something that is real and that will last forever. And the only place that we will find what we're looking for in this life is in the resurrected Lord Jesus. In the Bible, in the book of Romans, Paul the Apostle, someone who was responsible for killing Christians, who then later became a Christian when he put his faith in Jesus, he writes this in his letter to the church in Rome, in Romans chapter 10. It says, Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. 
For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. That the Apostle Paul, of all people, who would have had a sin list a mile long, put his faith in the resurrected Lord Jesus and went on to say this to the church in Rome. That the power that worked in Jesus to raise him from the dead worked in Paul's life to save him. And you too can be saved. That when you put your faith in the resurrected Lord Jesus for the forgiveness of sins, you are accepting that Jesus died on the cross to pay the price for your sin and not his. So that in his resurrection, it confirms the work of the cross. It confirms that Jesus is, in fact, the Son of God. That he is the Son of God. And the invitation for you this morning, whether it's your first time at City Heart or your thousandth time here, the call is to put your faith in the resurrected Lord Jesus for the forgiveness of sins. That as we saw the right response to the resurrected Lord Jesus is to worship him just as those women did when we saw them in this morning's Bible passage, when they saw the resurrected Lord Jesus for the first time. That worship looks like many things, but ultimately it gives us this idea of our whole life being laid down for the one who laid down his life to save you. That as we celebrate today and everything, every Sunday we celebrate this here at City Heart, we celebrate Jesus' life, death and resurrection because it is the only way that we can be saved from our sin. It's the only thing that offers eternal hope. That when you put your faith in Jesus, you don't have to keep going back to all the sin and shame that you carry with you. That Jesus died for that and we can let that go. That Jesus died and rose again to bring you forgiveness. That Jesus' death is freeing from all of that when you put your faith in him. So as we finish up this morning, I want to ask you again, do you really believe in the resurrection of Jesus? Do you believe or are all those eyewitness accounts not enough to prove it to you? Is the evidence of the early church not enough evidence? Is it because you perhaps believe the Pharisees and the Roman soldiers in their conspiracy to cover up Jesus' resurrection? Now, I came to understand the resurrection as true when I was an adult. I didn't grow up going to church. I didn't understand the resurrection. But after examining all the claims of Jesus and his resurrection, when looking at the facts, I put my faith in Jesus, not because I'm clever, but because the power that was at work in raising Jesus from the dead was working in me to bring me to faith in him. And this morning I ask you, is Jesus working in you to bring you to faith in him? So let me encourage you to take that step and put your faith in the resurrected Jesus who died and who rose again to restore your relationship with God. And if you've already put your faith in Jesus, if you've already put your faith in him, share this hope that you have, the hope that we celebrate every Sunday here at City Heart. Share this message. Enjoy the freedom it brings to your life, knowing that you have been freely forgiven by God, the God of the universe, because he died in your place 
saving you so that you can spend eternity with him, worshipping him forever. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the resurrection. We thank you for all that it shows us about who you are. It shows all of us all of what Jesus did for us in dying for our sins and then rising from the dead, proving his power, proving his title as the Son of God. Father, we thank you for the blessing it is to have eternal hope. And Father, we pray for those who only have that temporal hope, the hope of things in this life. Father, we pray for those that we know and love that only have temporal hope. We ask that you would work in them, that you'd bring them to a knowledge of Jesus and his resurrection, that you'd work in us to share this good news with them so that they too can have eternal hope, that they won't fall into despair of this world, but they will have the hope of eternity with Jesus. And it's in his name we pray. Amen.